Inflation doesn't seem like it's going away anytime soon. That impacts you, me, the markets, and the Fed. Here's what matters. Live from our respective coronavirus social distancing outposts, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Robert Sarandes. And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, will share insights from the multi-asset solutions team, what we think matters as we manage investment solutions. That includes Mainstay's diversified portfolio series, including the Income Builder Fund, as well as bespoke solutions for our partners. By sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of January 17th, 2022. And you know what that means? Uh, What does that mean? It means that we just got another very exciting set of inflation data. Oh, that's right. And it seems as though we've been talking about inflation for months and months and months now that it might be dragging on for our listeners. So maybe we should start by explaining why we're still talking about it. Sure. Great idea. Increasing inflation or increasing price growth. That risk has many different types of implications. First is the real impact inflation has on your spending and my spending, as well as businesses and their balance sheets. Absent any adjustments in response to inflation, like a pay raise, price increases usually mean that the average person or business can buy less or invest less. And the second reason that we're still focusing on this inflation boogeyman, so to speak, has to be with the policy response to inflation, right? Yeah, exactly. As we all know, Fed policy won't do much to improve some of the specific sources of inflation. It can't you know, improve supply chain bottlenecks or make the virus go away, but the Fed can help reduce some of this surging demand pressure, which would then alleviate a key contributor to price increases. So if the economy is on its way to overheating, then this demand reduction tactic could be constructive. The whole idea here is that the Fed smooths out the business cycle, tries to not let it run too hot or too cold. But of course, as the Fed changes policies, expectations have to change. And as investor expectations change, that leads to another major risk, and that has to do with market volatility. For most of 2021, expectations around Fed policy were well anchored. The FOMC was effectively communicating that tapering would begin at the end of the year. And investors were comfortable with that. But this transitory inflation has become something a bit more uncertain. And now over the course of a couple of weeks, the arc of monetary policy has shifted and investors are repositioning. So looking ahead, we expect a bit more volatility and interest rates to move around a bit. Okay. So we've established that inflation matters a lot. Yeah. Inflation does matter a lot. So let's talk about why we're talking about it right now. What is happening with inflation and what did the latest data tell us? Well, December's inflation print, this is the one that we got just last week. It was mostly in line with market expectations, but it was just staggeringly high. Um, So let me give you some of the stats. Headline inflation increased by half a percent month on month. So literally just between November and December, half a percent. And that means on an annualized basis, year on year, prices moved 7% above last year's levels. That's the highest in 39 years. So even if you remove some of the more volatile components of inflation, like food and energy costs, prices still increase by 5.5% year on year. And so that is very clearly another month where inflation is well above the Fed's target, which is just 2%. And for a long time, we were talking about 
inflation overshooting that target being okay. We were recovering from a pandemic. COVID-19 is still a major factor in these inflationary pressures that we're seeing. There are changes in behavior due to the virus constraints. Used car prices are up significantly based on higher demand for recreational goods and cars and home improvement or, or other things. And that's also contributing to higher prices. You also had the fiscal policy response, which supported demand among consumers because there was significant financial support to households. Their balance sheets looked good throughout a whole economic downturn. So global supply chains were pressured from the virus, but demand remained really strong. It's very true, but the important piece of information for the Fed and for us as investors is that the story no longer ends with these COVID disruptions that you're describing, Robert. Instead, we're seeing now for a few months in a row, price pressures broadening into other areas, even those not directly impacted by the pandemic. Okay. So I think we're going to talk about good spending to services spending, but can you tell us a little bit more about what you're thinking? Well, actually, just as one example... Housing prices, including rents, that makes up about 40% of consumer price indices, which makes sense, right? Rent is a huge portion of, of how much you spend of your monthly budget. Those prices are continuing to firm. So, you know, of course, we could say that housing is in some ways and in some areas impacted by the pandemic, but it's also more difficult for housing prices on average to just go up unless there's, you know, a lot of pressure in that area. And so given current home price trends and tightening rental markets, markets, we don't expect those inflationary pressures, the, that rent inflation to come down anytime soon. And so maybe what's more noteworthy about that is the continued increase, like you're saying, Robert, on services inflation as well, things like restaurants, which is now running above its pre-pandemic level. So there's, there's just a, a lot of price pressure out there. Interesting. So there's this stickiness of some of these price pressures that we're seeing, and then there's the broadening of the price pressures. And both of those things make it sound like inflation really has firmed. It has, but the tricky thing for investors is that still, in our view, and on the part of market pricing, investors expect this to be sort of just a part of an extreme economic cycle and that these inflationary pressures will fade over the course of the year. Okay, so similar to our expectation then, where we expect supply chain bottlenecks and strong demand to keep inflation elevated at least through you know the first quarter of this year, but then over time, we still expect to see these supply demand imbalances fade and inflation to moderate, especially as we get into the second half of the year. Yeah, and that makes investing tricky because you have, you know, what's happening right now, you have what you think will happen over the course of the next, you know, six or 12 months. And that in between period is is really tricky. Ooh, yes, it sounds like you're saying uncertainty, which we talk about all the time on the program. So for us as investors, it's important to calibrate investment strategy to acknowledge inflationary pressures now, inflationary uncertainty in the future, but not swing too far into inflation protection because it might not last. Exactly. And right now, the issue is that no one really knows how long inflation will last, but market-based expectations are signaling that it won't be for too long. So allocating to specific inflation hedging instruments may result in missing out on some of the other factors that are impacting the markets right now. Oh, that's really interesting. And I want to come back to that because I think that if expectations are that things go back to normal, there's always the upside risk that they don't. But you mentioned the Federal Reserve earlier, and I want to touch on that as well. What does it mean for Federal Reserve policy? Yeah, it's a good point before we dig into the portfolio pause to mention the Fed, because you know the longer the inflationary pressures we're seeing persist, the harder it is for the Fed to ignore them, and they're going to have to change policy. Surely the Fed never ignored inflation. Yeah, that's true. The Fed never ignores inflation. But the Fed has two things it watches most closely 
obviously to set the path of interest rates. One is inflation and the other is the labor market. And you know, over the past six, nine months, inflation has picked up way faster than the labor market has recovered. So the Fed's tried to wait as long as it possibly could to respond to inflation so it doesn't shut down that labor market component of the recovery. Mm. But it does sound like the last few months data mean that the Fed does have to do something to protect the economy against runaway inflation. That's right. Now it's time for our portfolio pause, a segment of the program where we share an investment idea. And in this case, I think it's time to share what investors can do about these inflation figures and the Fed's reaction. Well, first, I think we need to acknowledge uncertainty around a lot of the factors we've mentioned today. COVID-19, economic growth, and policy. In our view, this uncertainty is likely to lead to volatility in the coming months. And we're already seeing it in markets today. That's right. And that includes both upside and downside volatility. Exactly. And so this investment idea isn't so much about fear. Instead, it's about preparing for higher volatility and protecting a portfolio from those price changes that may lead to some difficult return projections. One way to be prepared is to work with managers, investment managers who can incorporate insights about the top-down economic cycle, as well as bottom-up supply chain implications when they're selecting individual securities. And that allows them to be nimble and to address related opportunities and risks with any type of company within this cycle. Yeah, exactly. It's a skill to be able to look across past cycles and have you know good investment ideas and understand when it's time to leverage those good investment ideas in this environment. A second idea for managing inflation is something we've talked about in recent weeks already, and this is to broaden an investment portfolio. Yes. And I think that this is a really strong idea to be implementing now at this more mid-cycle economic environment. Thinking about just fixed income at first, our research shows that non-core bonds tend to outperform during periods in which interest rates are rising. Allocating to a broader set of fixed income asset classes, including floating rate securities, bank loans, convertible bonds, short-duration high-yield securities and high-yield municipal bonds may generate some opportunities when interest rates are rising. Yeah, and, and what you're describing for fixed income, Robert, is true or can be true in equities too. Investors can consider asset classes with contracted cash flows that adjust for inflation, such as infrastructure equity, which also happens to be a popular idea right now due to the green energy shift we're seeing globally. Nice. And then the final idea we're discussing with respect to inflation might sound counterintuitive. What I mean is that in our view, we don't actually think investors should focus too much on inflation protection specifically, which I mentioned just briefly earlier. Right. It's in vogue today, but will it be in vogue a year from now? That doesn't mean to ignore inflation. It just means to focus on a broader theme or idea like resiliency rather than just inflation only. Exactly. Because our research shows that there's a trade-off over time, at least up until this point, between focusing on inflation hedging asset classes and focusing on total return. So while inflation is a key risk for right now, investors still expect a relatively shallow Fed hike cycle ahead. And so with this in mind, we're expecting or encouraging investors to you know, think broader. Remember that you know, for most of us, our financial goals are, are rooted in the longer term and are more focused on gathering total return over time. I know we always cue our listeners to check out the insights page of our website. But where inflation is concerned, we actually have a lot of specific investor resources on the topic that we've compiled over the last few quarters that might be useful for our investors. Yeah, that's a good point. Investors can gather education about inflation's impact on various asset classes, um, those we favor, and then also other portfolio construction techniques to help manage this changing environment. 
All right, coming up next, it's earnings season. Analysts and companies have been less optimistic compared to recent quarters in their earnings estimate revisions and earnings outlooks for the fourth quarter. And we'll want to listen into the reporting to get a sense of just how negative or frankly, just potentially less positive compared to last year was a really, really positive year what their outlook is for various business units within major companies. That's right. More companies are issuing negative guidance ahead of earnings season. And last week, we saw some of the big banks report a troubling outlook. Even so, despite all this, the S&P 500 index is projected to report earnings growth of more than 20%. And this will be the fourth straight quarter of earnings growth of more than 20%. And it would bring the full year earnings growth total to 40% for the year. But remember, these above average growth rates are a combination of higher earnings for 2021 and easier comparisons to weaker earnings during the pandemic. And so as we look ahead, we'll be really interested in seeing just what these companies are saying about future corporate profit growth and what the potential headwinds might be. That's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. Let us know what matters to you. If you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on social media. That's right. You can send us your questions or highlight matters to you by finding us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views on our website. That's newyorklifeinvestments.com and click the Insights tab. Until then, I am Robert Sarenbetz. And I'm Lauren Goodwin. We look forward to hearing from you. podcast is produced by Milo Benamonts, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I'll now read our disclosures from compliance. For more information about mainstay funds, call 1-800-624-6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. It is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances, and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is both a service mark and the common trade name of certain investment advisors affiliated with the New York Life Insurance Company. The mainstay funds are managed by New York Life Investment Management, LLC, and distributed by NY Life Distributors, LLC, 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302, a wholly owned subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company. NY Life Distributors, LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.